Honest Property Investment Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins. I am the host of this podcast. I am also the founder of NC Real Estate, which includes all the help and support you need to build commercial and mixed use property portfolios. If you want to find out more about that, head on over to ncrealestate.co.uk. I have two things I want to talk about this week. The first one being the state of Airbnb. I'm really intrigued by this. I know that for a lot of you, you are starting to do or you have been doing service accommodation or Airbnb one of your apartments or houses for a very long time. Maybe you've just started. I know I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. I've had guests on to talk about it. And the headlines are Airbnb bust. And I've been really intrigued by this because, as you all know, I do have an Airbnb and I have noticed some huge changes recently. Huge, huge changes, but not necessarily in the Airbnb platform. I know that they are always doing updates, always trying to make it easier for hosts and guests and everybody to have a little um, a little bit more, I guess, ease. Is that what they're trying to do? My experience of late having a property on Airbnb is not that great. I don't really enjoy it. But at the other end of the spectrum, what can I do? Where can I go? And this is for me asking you guys for your experience as well. So if you have any response to this, please email me natasha at ncrealestate.co.uk. If you can advise me of anything better that I can do, I would love it. So essentially my Airbnb is in Bath. I keep checking the stats of other websites that I could list my property on and Airbnb really has a market share. What you all know is that previously I did used to list it on TripAdvisor, Booking.com, VRBO. Didn't have really much success on those platforms. Took it off in favor of Airbnb because that was where I was getting all my bookings. Airbnb didn't ever sync properly with the other websites anyway. So occasionally I would get double bookings and that would be an absolute nightmare because no one would back down so I'd end up losing money for cancelling one of them and it was just because uh, Airbnb took 12 hours to update with the other platforms so I used to just find that an absolute pain in the ass um so that's the story behind why I'm on Airbnb only but as I say it's become a bit of a hellhole I, for years, and my property's been on Airbnb since January 2016, maybe December 2015, definitely January 2016. So what are we on? We're on like nearly eight years in. And whilst I've told you about the horror stories, and there have been some, recently, I just don't enjoy being, I don't enjoy being on Airbnb at all. So what 
first started alerting it me to it is that guests are being pretty goddamn awful, if I'm honest with you. They are expecting hotel standard for cozy apartments. As in, they're expecting... I guess just, you know, when you come to Bath, you can pay thousands of pounds to go to a hotel, stay in a really nice hotel, have that luxury experience, you know, everything at your beck and call, right? You have the high range, the medium range, the low range hotels, you can pay whatever you would like. I've always seen my Airbnb in Bath as a home away from home. So I do not charge expensive prices. In the low season, we're as low as £70 a night and you can sleep up to five people there. And in the high season, maybe £130, £150 a night. I have never listed at a really expensive price because my ethos behind this property is that I want people to come and enjoy Bath, come and travel. It is in the best location. This is a city centre flat, two bedrooms um one of my biggest problems is that because we're in a conservation zone and because the building's grade two listed I have been fighting for ages to get those windows replaced so I will say that the windows don't look good at the moment and that is mainly because I can't seem to get them changed I'm trying guys I'm trying um everything else I keep decorated I make sure that it looks nice in there. There's always home comforts. That was really where I was going with this Airbnb. Home comforts, like, essentially, it's my house. Come and stay in it, but I'm not there. If you are in my house, I am living somewhere else. And I will tell you that when you make the booking. What I have noticed is that Airbnb guests are making the most unrealistic demands which is driving me insane and airbnb are allowing them to do it number one in bath the council has not allowed fiber broadband to be installed i get so many complaints from airbnb guests about there not being fiber even though I specify it in my listing. I'm very honest about the internet speeds. It is seriously annoying. I have just updated the router. So I actually have taken out uh, my TalkTalk connection because it was running so slowly. I almost think that they were trying to do it to wind me up. I've taken out that connection And I now have a Vodafone 5G Gigacube. At the moment, they're putting in the 5G masts around Bath, but it does run at a 4G speed, which is three times as fast as what TalkTalk would give me with a plugged in thing. Probably not the right technology. I don't deal with like internet technologies. I had to do a lot of research into what internet speeds mean. So I've updated that. And still, I get complaints from guests. 
it's not fast enough. I don't know what I can do. I don't know what I can do. I can't get fiber in the area. We don't have anything else that's fast. If someone could tell me what the solution is to this, I would love it, but I can't get anything else. So number one, I'm always getting guessing. Your internet's not fast enough. Number two, guests just not having any common sense. So I got a complaint the other day because in one of my wardrobes, uh, because it was getting colder, my cleaners had put some spare duvets in there. So duvets with duvet covers on it. If it got too cold in the flat, I do have heating, of course they have heating, but if, if it got too cold, these guests could use the additional duvets. I thought that was really nice. You know, a good extra touch, fab. This guest complained to Airbnb that she needed a refund because she couldn't use the wardrobe. Because she couldn't use the wardrobe. What are you talking to me about? Use some common sense. Take the duvet covers out and just put them elsewhere. Why wouldn't you do that? Um, so then I had Airbnb coming after me saying, you haven't provided the guests with what you said. What are you talking about? common sense why number one that guest did not come to me with that complaint the guest went straight to airbnb and why would i guess the reason she wouldn't have told me about it is because i would have told her just simply pick up the duvets and put it somewhere else so you can use the cupboard no number Two is then they came to me and deducted a load of money without even asking me. What are you talking about? If I'm honest about the fact that an internet speed is a certain speed, I don't hide it. Why would I get deducted because it wasn't fast enough? Why would I also get deducted money for there simply being a duvet cover in a wardrobe that could be moved? There wasn't anything else wrong with the flat but this guest had made enough of a complaint towards airbnb without coming to me that that is what they did and it took me phoning and phoning and phoning airbnb to get someone on the line to ask them what else could i do in this situation what was the better thing that i could be doing and they in, in the end said well actually you can't do anything I was like, yeah. So they ended up giving me back the money. But because they'd already deducted it from, they'd given it back to the guest, they had to pay it to me out of pocket. So that's something that I'm experiencing more that guests go directly to Airbnb rather than sorting things out with the host, which is me. I find that really frustrating. Um, considering I have people that will pick up the phone at any time of day, I'm on... Uh, UK time minus six so you get me from around 2 p.m UK time but there are people available to pick up a, a call there are email addresses text addresses you can get in contact with anybody for my uh, Airbnb at any time but no ew you just get straight to Airbnb and expect them to sort it out the next thing that I've got an issue with that guests seem to hate is the Airbnb service fee guests think that it is the hosts that are taking the service fee. No, I don't even see that. I don't know how much the service, um, I think actually they might be being charged like a 12% service fee for Airbnb. 
if I looked at it and broke it down properly, you probably know. I get so many complaints from guests saying, why do I have to pay it? I don't know, ask Airbnb. I don't see that. That's an Airbnb fee. I also have to pay Airbnb fees on top. But the fact that they're expecting me to sort that out, that is what you go to Airbnb for. But Airbnb don't seem to respond to guests in terms of payouts. But I don't know what they're hoping for me to do because I can't see that money. I haven't got any control over that money for me to even be able to make a refund or a decision over it. And then the other thing that is getting strange is if you turn on suggested pricing, Airbnb are lowering it and lowering it and lowering it. But if you don't turn it on, then you don't necessarily appear when someone is searching in the area, right? So the only way that I have found to overcome this is turn on Airbnb pricing and then override it with my own pricing so it's on, but then you go and you can change the pricing of the days and then it seems to be okay. What? Why is everybody getting forced lower and lower and lower? And the reason being is obviously because so many people are now becoming Airbnb hosts, there's a lot of competition. I find that I do get bookings. November has been extremely slow, but I do get bookings because I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of reviews. I don't have all five-star reviews. I don't mind about that. It shows that I'm real and I live in a real apartment. I'm honest about the fact that I'm not there and there's no one on site. You use a key code, you go in. Fine, whatever. It's in the center of town. There is a problem with noise. Again, going back to those old windows, and the fact that they are only single glazed. And so trying to get double glazing in there and get the windows upgraded, taking its time. So it's not going to be 100% quiet, the same as it's a um, timber, timber floors. So you can hear upstairs, you can hear downstairs, right? Old building, that happens. Um, I have had complaints to the fact that I don't have a lift in the building. I don't know what I'm going to do about that you try putting a lift in that building. It would not be worth the money. It's only got three floors. Why would we put a three floor lift in? Essentially what I'm saying is, someone give me some ideas of what else I can do here because I feel like I'm fighting a losing battle. Really, I should just put it back on the long-term rental market, I think, because it's becoming a massive hassle. And it never was before. But I'm kind of thinking, yeah, okay, I make a lot of money from it. But guests don't treat the house with respect. The carpets are always a mess. Hmm. I'm wondering what to do about it. Yes, I'm making a lot of money. Is it worth the hassle when... I don't know, guys, it's a dilemma that I have got. Um, and I wanted to make the additional money because I was using the money in my portfolio this year for legal fees to sue uh, the freeholder so that I could buy that property, right? So I needed the extra money. I'm just wondering about money versus trade-off at this point in time and whether Airbnb is a place to go. If you have had better experiences with anybody else, please tell me. 
maybe it's time to switch. I don't know. I need to do something different. Um, or maybe this is just the way of the serviced accommodation industry. I'm just not trying to be a hotel. If I was to be a hotel, I'd be in the hospitality business, but I'm not. I'm in the property business. So yes, if you've got any suggestions, please email me, natasha at ncrealestate.co.uk. I just wanted to jump in here quickly and tell you about our partners and sponsors, Property Data, who we use when valuing residential properties within mixed use property portfolios. They give us the yields that we should use in order to capitalize on the rental income. They give us the rental income that we should expect to get from the residential property. And they also give us an estimated value of that residential property. So it is vital in using this within our commercial property and mixed use deal analysis. I have a special offer for you. If you click our link below and you use the code NC50, you get 50% off of your first month after the free trial ends. So what are you waiting for? Click the link below, give it a try, pop it into your deal analysis. It's really going to help you when you're analyzing those mixed use properties. That's my musing. Number two, let's talk about commercial property. Last week, I talked about com uh, completion statements. This week, I want to remind you of what commercial property is and why the first couple of weeks slash months of owning commercial property are going to be rough if there is there are tenants in situ. Let me just give you that now, right? Expect the worst when you buy a property with tenants in situ. That means that if it's anything better than the worst, you can celebrate and think, oh, fabulous. So usually you get to the day after you've completed on the commercial property, you've probably toasted a little bit, thought, yes, I'm right at the end of my journey. No, you have just got started. Now, the seller should write communication to the tenant saying, hey, I've sold the building, here's who the new landlord is. You can't control yes or no whether that happens. All you can control is the fact that you also send them a letter as the new landlord saying, hey, I have just bought this. Either I'm running the building or here are my managing agent's details. Now, it does not matter whether you have a managing agent or you run it yourself. The chances are you are going to get issues. Number one, tenants are going to want to know what the new management regime is going to be like. Okay, they're going to test boundaries. They're going to see whether you are going to do everything for them, whether you're going to stick to the lease, whether you know what you're doing, they are going to do that. It is so important that you understand they are going to test you. That is not personal. It's not anything. They're just asking a question. You do not need to come back or respond with anything other than, okay, let me have a look into it or let me have a think about it. 
And then you go back to them and say, this is your responsibility or yes, I'll do it. Simple. Nothing else is needed. The next thing is they are probably, if they've been thinking of leaving, they're probably going to leave if they want to. You may get break notices. You may get termination notices. The reason being is they don't have a relationship with you. So they don't mind emailing you and saying, hey, I'm moving out now. It's probably a good time for them because they're changing over. Again, doesn't mean anything. You know, to you, you just operate in the way that the lease sets out. And it's a negotiation game. Right. If the tenant wants to leave, but they're not at the end of the lease or near a break, well, they're going to have to continue honoring the contract. They don't just leave. It may be that you say, well, if you want to find another tenant and you want to assign, I can look at that. But that's on you. Or it may be, well, if you want to leave, you can, but you need to pay all the costs up until the end of the lease. Right. Again, fine. The only way you're not going to get money out of this is if the tenant really is on their last legs and they wind up the company, declare bankruptcy and what have you. A tenant will only do that if they definitely don't ever want to trade again. Otherwise, if they're just getting out or moving on, they don't need that business in problems. They're going to negotiate with you. It's a business thing. It's not a personal thing. So what I want to tell you is that this stuff is expected. The same as tenants paying rent to the new location there's going to be hassle there's going to be issues there right it happens we just sort it out we go with the flow I don't want you getting upset or taking it personally mainly because you've just been on this high of oh my gosh I've just bought a property brilliant yes I've done it I've got to my goals I've got to where I want to be and then you have this massive free fall into oh no, this is not what I thought it is. There are always going to be problems. There is no way that you can be protected from all risks. And the reason being as well is because the previous owner will have had their way of running the property and there'll be things that they overlook or things that they don't do. And that's because that is their standard. And then there'll be things that you don't do because that's your standard, but other things that you care deeply about. It is just the changeover. You think, let's think big. Let's think about when governments change over, right? There's always this transitionary period where it's such a muddle, muddle and so chaotic. That is the same thing that happens in commercial property handovers. Not to the same level, but it's there. And you get the choice to either just wallow in this that it's not going how you expected it to be when you were just on this high that you completed. Or you think, it's business. This was obviously going to happen. Okay, I'll just deal with it and move forward. And if you have hired professionals, listen to their advice. Do what they say you should do next because they're going to guide you in the right direction. I haven't seen any property that's been bought with tenants in situ where there hasn't been something that's come up. All right. I haven't, haven't seen it. There's always something that comes up. So if you expect it, my hope would be that you're not as upset by it. Instead, you handle it and you keep moving forward. All right. That's my word of warning for you. 
Thank you so much for listening to me today. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon. Thank you so much for listening today. If you've loved this pod, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And make sure to leave a five-star review as this makes me so happy and it helps to boost the show and get it out there to more property investors. Finally, if you want to email the pod, you can write to me, Natasha at ncrealestate.co.uk. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.